Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a mm, real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug and play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point of sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. And I'm joined by my friend and colleague, Michael Felder from Stadium to break down the biggest storylines in college sports this week in an hour or less. And Felder, this one's a pretty obvious one. There's one major story right now. Yeah, one huge story. I will say this before we start. Sorry to OU fans. Not my best performance. I'm excited to like, listen, I I spent the entire week watching Oklahoma's defense and I'm excited for, for Winfrey, for Thomas, for Redmond. They are right. This group is exciting. They do what Grinch likes to do, which is move pre-snap and post-snap and they're going to find ways to get to the quarterback so i wanted to make that right make good make them whole also for when we get to the um last call i did write a poem so we have that to look forward to (laughs) okay so we will have some follow-up from some of the takes that we've had previously but let's Um, get to the news but let's get to the news so on tuesday the big 10 pac-12 and acc officially announced their alliance they're calling it that too so no one has an official name for this but We're all kind of doing the alliance in capital letters um, for now, I guess. (laughs) And they announced it to a lot of fanfare. Uh, There was a Zoom with all three very, very new commissioners, George Mm -hmm. Klavkoff, Kevin Warren, Jim Phillips. And they talked about, in very broad terms, what this alliance is about. So, you know, a couple of the prongs of that. We knew, um, you know, I've been reporting on this for a couple weeks now. We knew that they were going to try to stay aligned on policy and governance issues. The NCAA is in the process of being decentralized and everyone's sort of wondering what that next iteration of, you know, a governing body for college sports looks like. So they want to be aligned and work on that and preserve aspects of the collegiate model. They also are going to be aligned on college football playoff expansion and we can get into this in a second but there's two aspects of that one is the format the 12 team proposal and then also the timeline of of when that would be implemented and which media partners would be implemented so that's another thing that has been a major um and and could be a really tangible 
piece of this alliance. And then the third piece that I think we all hoped we'd get a little more clarity on was the football scheduling piece. They're also going to schedule men's and women's basketball. There was some allusions to Olympic sport event crossovers as well. But Felder, we didn't really get a ton on the football scheduling piece, except like we'll do it when we can, but we're not going to break any game contracts. So I don't know if that immediately gets a bunch of people all jazzed up, even though this could be really fun when you look at the teams in these conferences. I think the TBD nature was a little disappointing for people. Yeah, I think it was. I mean, honestly, like, listen, we'll pull back the curtain here. This was a this was a day ruiner. <laughs> like it was like we're going to do it this time and then this time and then this is going on and that's going on. So I like for me, I'm like, I wish I got more out of it in terms of news and what was actually like something concrete. You know what I mean? Right. Like something yes. to hold on to, something to kind of sink your teeth into. And what we got was a lot of maybe and what if and we'll try and we'll do this and we'll do that. So I think the big thing for me is uh, I, I get like here's I'm look I'll look at it from two sides. One, I'll look at it from the side of someone obviously who went to an ACC school. You went to a Big Ted school. Like I like I I really enjoy watching the Pac-12. I think this is great for the three of them to find a way to find that common ground. Um, so many. Uh, SEC fans consistently talk to when I talk to whether I'm doing radio in SEC country or talking to SEC fans it's everything is like well they're not going to make as much money as us and they're not going to be as good as us and I think that there's something that is lost on a lot of football only and football first folks that don't realize that there is this and you correct me if I'm wrong but there is this sort of collective idea of like for the SEC, they have this say, this slogan, what, it just means more. But I think that these other three conferences, yes, do they want to make more money? Absolutely. Of course, everybody wants to make more money. But they have this idea of, like, it just means more because we care about other stuff. And caring about other stuff, even though this is some sort of, like, I guess, gentleman's agreement at this point, is I do think that caring about other stuff is something that, is worth mentioning in in with respect to this. Do you think that's a fair assessment? Yeah. So so let's let's unpack that. So I think that that's been one of the the issues like SEC folks have bristled at is some of the way that this has been framed that they do only care about football, that they only care about the sports that make money and that they're not invested in Olympic sports and you know, they're literally they just had a bunch of Olympians at the Olympics. Like I I totally get that. But what people in ACC, Big Ten, the Pac-12 will tell you is that they offer more sports. Like, they, right. the, they, more they do. More opportunity. Um, you know, there's obviously, when you're offering more sports, that means that there's more female athletes on your campuses that you're mm-hmm. offering scholarships to, Title IX, all of these things. Like, the Olympic pipeline issue is actually a big thing. I mean, we heard about that a lot during the pandemic when people were cutting, like, swimming and diving programs. Mm-hmm. Um, but those those leagues really do have a commitment to those sports. And so when they say broad-based sports offerings, that's what they mean. The academic piece comes across very high and mighty. Listen, like, <laughs> we, we, we went to schools that act that way. Like, I went to Michigan. Yes. The arrogance, the academic ar- arrogance, acting like you're – you know, I mean, what do they what do they sell? Public they sell Ivy. the shirt, public Ivy, but they sell a shirt um, that Harvard is the Michigan of the East. I mean, like yeah. it's like I've been around that for for a very long time, but that is absolutely part of the identity of mm-hmm. at least like half of these leagues, right? Like not every school has that sure. that academic piece, but 
when people say like like-minded, when they use those things, it can, it can rub people the wrong way. For but sure. like that is part of their identity. So that is definitely a piece of it. And you're going to have college presidents deciding this stuff. They're the ones who decide realignment. They're the ones Bingo. who decide everything. So they care about being associated with other schools that have good academics and right. also offer a lot of sports. So like that's where that stuff sounds super like purist college college sports the ideal like this sounds kind of student cheesy. athlete model yeah but that's that's where when they say like-minded like that is where they're basing it from yeah i know i just i i think that's a real i think it's a realistic quality like and it's one of those things where like if you are the sec you're like yeah but we win championships like that's what matters to us and then it's like stanford is like standing or ucla they're like we also win championships it's just not in the thing that you care about it's a sport you've never even played before but we do win championships in that too. So, and I think the same thing goes with the Big Ten and obviously with the ACC and like the whole, like whether it's the Carlisle Cup, which is a big deal when I was at school or the Director's Cup, obviously, all those things kind of add up and it does present a profile that they're very proud of. And I think that that pride is something that is essentially, and again, you're the one that sat in on the meeting. I'm, I'm reading, I'm reading, I'm just reading. I'm doing the reading, okay? So, but... It feels like now you've created this block, like a BLOC, like a voting block that's going to walk yes. in locks. That's going to walk in lockstep. And oh, let's not forget that Notre Dame is probably going to be a part of that same block. And now, what do you do? So Notre Dame is technically included when they say forty-one schools. That forty-first school is Notre Dame because they're full members in men's basketball, women's basketball, and obviously they have a financial relationship with the ACC. Mm-hmm. So that is, I think that's a really important point. And, and, and we didn't get, because we didn't get a ton of detail about scheduling, we can talk about this because I, I think it's going to be important. really, yeah. really interesting to see if the Big Ten and the Pac-12 go down to eight conference games to make this work. Mm-hmm. But you would have to think that the games against Notre Dame would count as alliance games because you'd yes. have, they, they still have a contractual agreement with the ACC to play five per year. Mm-hmm. Then they also play Stanford. They play USC. Like you, that would clearly fit in the mold of all of this. So I, I think that you could absolutely include Notre Dame for the purpose of of arguing about like like minded schools. They're in the footprint. All these things. Now the biggest winner I think in terms of actual football scheduling here has to be the Pac-12, right? Yes. I mean they get to they get to play in the Central Time Zone and the Eastern Time Zone without mm-hmm. having to add a school that's like three thousand miles away. Bingo. Yeah, no, I think it's really, yeah, I think if we're talking, like, and I, I hate to do winners and losers all the time, but, like, it's, like, yes, they're they're going to have games that more people will watch, and it's a combination of more people will watch because they'll be on a little bit earlier, and more people will watch because we're also going to get teams that fly out, right? We're going to get a Clemson flying out. We're going to get a Notre Dame flying out. We already get Notre Dame flying out, but we're going to get the Michigan fly out, or we're going to get the Michigan State fly out, or the Penn State fly out. We're going to get all the, they're going to get flown. And it's one of those things where I do think that that does matter because, and, 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 and this is sort of anecdotal, but the reality of it is, is one, I love the Pac-12 network and everyone I see this dumps on it. They also don't have it and haven't watched it. And I'm like, oh, you don't realize it. it's actually good. The problem is the distribution. But if you get whether like even if it's a lower a, a, in quote unquote lower tier game where it's Wake Forest taking on Arizona and they happen to get that to the Pac-12 network and obviously we'll talk about with the ACC and they still want to honor all the existing contracts but in the future moving forward like to me this is a long-term agreement right 
This is a marathon. It's not a sprint. It's a marathon. And that marathon means that who cares if we got to wait until 2026 to get this done? Once it's once we make it happen, everyone's going to be a little bit happier. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Also important to note, Pac-12 and the Big Ten have media rights negotiations coming up. One thing that I thought was pretty interesting about the, like, again, they're going to have to maneuver to make this work. Like, the example we can give is, like, Michigan is basically blocked up. So if you cut a conference game, you could add one game for sure. Mm -hmm. But, like, if you wanted to go to a system where you're playing a Pac-12 and an ACC team every single year, you'd have to finesse that. But, so I asked... Um, I asked George Klavkoff and Kevin Warren, mm-hmm. does this mean you have to go down to eight? And Kevin said that this is something the Big Ten is going to have to work through and figure out in the next couple months. George Klavkoff had a really interesting answer because he said that they're contractually obligated to play nine under yep. their current deal. Mm-hmm. But wouldn't it be attractive if they renegotiated before then because they'd still be putting on good power five versus power five games? So I thought that was pretty interesting and in opening the door for something to happen sooner than 2024, 2025. But I'm with you. I mean, I think this is supposed to be a long-term deal. And the biggest question mark I think everyone has is if you didn't sign anything and there isn't a financial relationship and it's a gentleman's agreement, which, again, I think those answers were not great. They were not. Yeah. They did not instill a ton of um, Confidence. faith. Yes. Do we think that we get to the long-term part in this? Like, do they actually hold up their ends of this bargain and we get to the point of having actual football scheduling? Man, I, uh, I want to say yes. And I want to say yes because ultimately the goal is to is self-preservation. And part of that self-preservation is working together. It's like the um, mutually assured destruction. So it's like, I'm not going to fire on you. You don't fire on me. We're going to be okay. And I also think that overall, it's about trusting the devil you know. And devil, quote unquote, like quote devil. But like basically the enemy that you know or the team that you know. Like you, the back, the Pac-12, the Big Ten, the AC, they know each other. They know each other. They know each other very well. And it's much easier to have to deal with them than it is the idea of like somebody else jumping into the pool. And that's the part where I think it's going to be interesting. And I know we're going to talk um, group of five and maybe group of six at some point a little bit later. But the reality of it is, is there's this is a sport that's governed by paranoia. It's ruled by paranoia. You can look at it at the micro from how they make rules from an NCAA standpoint where coaches are like, well, 
I'm not great at text messages, so no one should get text messages. Or I'm not that good. I don't. We don't have bagels, so no one should get bagels with cream cheese. And like that's that's messed up. No one should have that because I don't have it. And then what are we gonna do? And we should put scholarship limits on because I can only sign this many kids. And what if they sign more kids? And I can't sign as many kids. And so there's this paranoia on that micro level, but then I think when you get to the macro level, what we're dealing with, honestly, is a sport where we have gone consistently down to who's in charge. Like we started out with, you know, you had eight, nine, like and we had Penn State was independent, Notre Dame was independent, Miami was independent, and Florida State was independent until they got into the ACC. And like you had them making decisions and everybody kind of controlled themselves. And then you consolidate power a little bit and you, I get the, the ACC and the Big Ten and you have the, 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 the SWC and the Big Eight and you have these guys all have control, right? And then what happens next? Now we, the big, the SWC and the, and the, and the Big Eight, they combine and now we got the Big 12 and Pac-12, the Pac-10, excuse me, the Pac-10 and the Big 12 and the Big Ten. Like, and at that point we had seven, right? We had seven power brokers for the sport. We had the BCS six plus Notre Dame. We had seven power brokers for the sport. And what did they do? They cut off the Big East, a.k.a. the AAC, at the knees. And now we only have six. And the next step is to get that six down to five. And it's like five or four and a half, really, because Notre Dame's kind of semi-involved with the, I don't know, what, you, what do we call that, complicated? I'm not in the dating world. Would you call it? Yeah, that, we can say, say it's, it's a complicated, complicated relationship. Right, yeah. it's, like, it's like four and a half, really. But it's always been about consolidating power because I think at the end of the day, the fear is that the people that built the sport on their back, whether it's your Alabamas or it's your Ohio States or it's your Michigans, the idea, like, I think Michigan, and this is, maybe this is controversial, I think Michigan, I think Texas, I think USC, I think they're okay. And okay, I use that term lightly, but I think they're okay with losing to Ohio State or losing to Oklahoma or losing to, even at this point, Oregon, if you're USC, right? Or they're okay with losing to Alabama, compared to someone like UCF or Houston or Cincinnati bubbling to the surface and being able to do something that they haven't figured out a way to do because of the way they've managed their program. I think Tennessee's Tennessee's much happier losing to Alabama than seeing UCF bypass them. And I think that's a big part of the gatekeeping. And then you throw in the regional gatekeeping uh, with respect to, like, do you think Florida State would be excited to see UCF like get a chance? Absolutely not. And the same thing goes with Miami when they were down and, and Florida, obviously. So I think that's another big part of it. I think, I mean, listen, I'm from North Carolina and there's no way that NC State and UNC are like rah-rah cheering on board for like App State or ECU to like have a chance. And that's just the reality of the situation. I think we're far more likely to see shrinkage of the big group that we're talking about then we are to see somebody bubble up to the surface and have an opportunity. I think that speaks to sort of why this has all been so destabilizing, which is is like there, there were a lot of words like that thrown around on mm-hmm. Tuesday about the uncertainty with everything going on in college sports. And I think that there, when you, when you think about like what is the healthiest environment for college football, it's right. – it's the stuff you were talking about in the older days where people were kind of making their own decisions. When you're independent, you can control a, regional, a lot of your schedule. It was a regional sport. It, yeah. it still is. It still, it still really is, but it's trying to become national, right? And when the last round of realignment 
created all these like weird bedfellows and you had you know West Virginia traveling a thousand miles for all their games and stuff Mm -hmm. it took a lot away from that but the idea of not having a big 12 as like a central power in this sport is not great for college football and I it's it's incredibly apparent that they were you know and obvious that they were not included in this alliance like right they're, as you were talking about, kind of like going down to a power five, power four, four and a half. Um, but that's, I think, where this is coming from, because you talk about consolidating power. The worst possible outcome would be one, just one conference and right. one region, the Southeast Conference. Mm-hmm. So I think you have three new commissioners, one who's been on their job for less than two months. Mm-hmm. I think... Each of them understands that there needs to be a foil to the SEC, like for the health of college football, but they had to do it together. They didn't Mm -hmm. have enough cachet on their own. So I think it's, that's where it is. And like, you know, someone, you know, I, I talked to a lot who's really plugged in on this stuff, kept talking about it, like a line in the sand because of the collegiate model versus, you know, maybe you think the SEC eventually is going more towards like a minor league NFL system. Right. But I ultimately think that's what it is. It's about, like, creating a foil. Because you had Jim Delaney and Mike Slive. You had those, the Big Ten and the SEC pushing each other. But check, it's like checks and balances. And there hasn't really been that. And I think the, the move of, it's not just Texas and Oklahoma, because anyone who got a call from Texas and Oklahoma would have taken them. Mm-hmm. It's doing that while working on playoff expansion and, like, theoretically working on something for the betterment of the sport. That rubbed everyone the wrong way. But that's where it's like this. You you can't just do this unchecked. And I think that's really where the origin of all of this is. And the people who are missing that piece are kind of missing the history of balance in this sport. Right. And that you you need foils. You need people to be foils of each other. Yeah, no, you you, you, listen, I I think you're spot on. I think the idea and using the word foil, I think that's a great like because that's a remarkable literary device in terms of, you know, and, and obviously like a screenwriting device in terms of how you let your main character expose who they are or show their flaws or their, 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 their positives and their negatives. And ultimately this is, I think in that same vein, the idea of, listen, we got this a lot. We have the Alliance now. So now we get the, S- the SEC, you get to show us who you are and you get to show us what is important because we're, they're going to stand there and they're going to, they're, these three leagues together are going to talk about, caring about the Olympic, the Olympic sports and the Olympic model and more student athletes getting opportunity. And they're going to talk to you about student athletes and athlete um, and student collaborations and university collaborations. And they're going to, and now you get to, you know, the ball's going to be, I'm not going to say the ball's going to be in their court with respect to the SEC, how they respond to it. Because quite frankly, I don't think that they care, but I do think that being able to juxtapose this is who we are versus this is who you are. I do think that that's going to be interesting. I had a um, guy I went to, played high school baseball with, actually. He hit me up, and he said, um, there are only three conferences in America that matter, and it's the NFC, the AFC, and the SEC. And I was like, yeah, that's great if, like, that's the thing that you care about. But the as you mentioned, the foil to all that is, what if that's not the only thing you cared about? What if you cared about some of this other stuff, too? And what if you promoted some of that other stuff, and now where do you, where, now where are you? And so it's very, that to me is very interesting. And I think that that's, I think full is a good word, a good way to put it because it's very, um, I think it's not only timely in terms of what's happening and in terms of the sequence of events, but also 
the way that you look at like, hey, we're going to get to see what you're bringing to the table. And because there's like nobody's hiding, everything's out on front street at this point. And let's get to see. Let's let's see what happens. That's actually the, the right takeaway from Tuesday is just it's all out there now. Like one of the I, I think it was Kevin Warren who said we are just communicating like where we stand. And there were also some other again, a, a lot of this. We know this whole thing was in response to the SEC. Sure. So there were some veiled comments about like just the level of communication between these commissioners and just kind of the, the knowledge yes. that everyone's had. I mean, ordering takeout. Yeah, like George Klyovkov has said his biggest issue with like the playoff expansion stuff was that people had different levels of information as they were working on it, right? Like they clearly are putting this out there that they're in constant communication and they're aligned on this stuff. Yeah. And that was, I think, the main goal of Tuesday. Because if you don't have the scheduling stuff nailed down because everyone's got game contracts, you're not exactly sure how it works. Pac-12 has less teams than everybody else. Mm -hmm. And also, like, do you want to play both leagues? Are you going to only require one? Like, you got to figure that stuff out. If you can't announce any of that, then all it really is is saying, like, publicly, here is is where we are. Here is what we stand for. We like each other. We like each other. And we're going to try to do this together. Which, again, so some people are going to be like, so what? So what? Like, what what is the news value of that? Well, this is a very weird time in college sports where people are not trusting each other. Mm-hmm. These these commissioners don't know each other that well, but they're making a gentleman's agreement, a handshake agreement to go into this together. Mm-hmm. Who knows if it's going to work? But that's what they were doing. That's what they're doing is just coming out and saying it publicly today. Like that's what an alliance is. Yeah. If, if especially if there's no financial component right now because they haven't drawn up contracts, it's just straight up saying like we've got each other's backs, and this is what we are going to say we stand for. And we don't know what's coming. Like, it's just, it's a weird time. And we think this will increase stability. And again, the point is, there, if there's balance across college sports in different parts of the country, different leaders, different voices, it feels more stable, which is part of the reason, like, the, the, as the Big 12 is imploding, it feels unstable because you lose some of that balance. Yeah, no, I, um, I mean, this is... It's a hand. Obviously, it's a handshake. Looking or what did he say? We looked in each other's eyes. Agreement. And, yes. But this is this is. I don't mean to be crass or rude, but like I've been in a fight or two in my life. But this is looking across the bar at another guy that you don't know that well, but you guys both know that you hate this other guy. So I guess if things happen, we're gonna have to fight together. And it doesn't mean that I'm gonna take the trash out with him the next day or we're gonna you know we're gonna have brunch in the morning it just means that i recognize this guy's a problem you recognize this guy's a problem if stuff goes down i got your back you got my back we'll show up for each other and that's what they're the whole goal for them is to show up for each other as you've probably heard by now we've teamed up with BetMGM this season we'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet use bonus code the athletic and you'll get a one-year subscription to the athletic plus up to a fifteen hundred dollar first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM here's how it works Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 
See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I know you obviously are so excited that actual football is coming back and we get to talk about football next week. (laughs) But I do want your thoughts on what this means for playoff expansion because, you know, I know you're – like, like if they delay it, if they delay it, if they get them to take a look at the format where the games are played, all of these specific details that these three leagues were not part of because they weren't in the working group. But if they delay it to 2026, like, what does that actually mean for college football? I actually was going to – ask you a separate question. So I'm going to answer this one first, and then I'm going to get to my question. The big thing for me, if they're able to throw their weight around to delay it, I think that's a huge win because that shows that this voting block has weight. They have um, sway, right? They've got power. So if they're able to do that, I think that's humongous. That's one. Now, the thing I wanted to ask for you is not just with respect to the playoff, but respect to scheduling, with respect to um, visibility, what does this mean for teams that aren't the Pac-12, the Big Ten, the ACC, the SEC? What does it mean for the rest of them from the Big 12 through the AAC and everything else? What does that mean for them? Because I know Chris Vanini wrote an article, UCF did everything they were supposed to do. They did everything in 2012 when we were going through expansion, 2011 when we were going through expansion. They did everything they were supposed to do to be an appetizing morsel for a, a big big time conference but now it seems like the metric has changed tremendously so what does this mean for the g5 or possible g6 yeah i I think that's going to be pretty fascinating to see and you know the the commissioners did go out of their way to be like we're not gonna not encourage people to schedule like you want to schedule someone in state you know keep the money flowing in state pick national school like i love that i love that you want to schedule the SEC? Like, the ACC has a bunch of games, annual rivalry games against the SEC. Yes. Um, is there a potential level of spite where stuff doesn't happen? I mean, we've seen we've seen rivalries go away sure. based on conference realignment. However, I, I think it would probably be up to the individual schools, depending on, you know, their strength of schedule and how they want to schedule their philosophy and things like that. And I, I think college football playoff expansion is going to inform that because – you're not going to schedule yourself or put yourself like your Ohio State or Clemson in a bad position. But if there's a bunch of at-large spots, if they do go to the 12-team model, they can afford to schedule a certain way. So I think what it does, though, is decreases the available dates that you can play other people. Even if the Pac-12 
and the Big Ten go down to eight conference games, so that frees up one weekend. Like, no one's adding extra games to the right. regular season. So, so you do have less flexibility to schedule. I mean, we've seen the impact of that, even as some of these leagues went to nine conference games, and it just took away weekends, took away yep. Saturdays. Um, so, I mean, that's why I think you've seen a lot of athletic directors and people within the Big 12 extremely alarmed by the news of the alliance. A, that they're not in it, and what mm-hmm. that means for the standing of the remaining schools in the Big 12. But B, it's going to make it harder for them to schedule teams in those three leagues. It's going to make it harder for, for everybody. Mm-hmm. And that is one area, again, where there's like strength in numbers. It's, you know, I, I mean, there are people being like, what, are they really not going to play the SEC or something like that in non-conference play? I mean, they don't have to if they don't want to. I mean, they, right. they will. Like, there's rivalry games. They, they're still going to – like, people still – people who want to schedule a certain way are still going to schedule a certain way. Mm-hmm. But there's strength in numbers in making those types of decisions and making it more scarce. Like, the idea of having a free Saturday to schedule a big game, it gets harder. So yeah. that that's something that I think is going to be interesting. But, yeah, absolutely have an impact on the group of five. FCS games, which, you know, also fund athletic departments. Like – there's a lot of different Super layers to that when you, when you're blocking off more of your schedule for assigned games. Yeah, I, like I, what I was saying, I love like I love that South Carolina, Clemson, and South Carolina both play an in-state team every year. Presbyterian, Citadel, Wofford, you know, South Carolina State to keep that money in-house, to keep that money in-state, and it's a great recruiting tool because. Listen, you might not want a kid that ends up at Presbyterian, but you might want his teammate that's a year younger than him. And that opportunity is huge for them to get to go play in the big, play in Death Valley or play, you know, in, in Columbia. So I think that those are interesting and important. I do wonder about those home and homes, those borderline games where it's like in theory we're equal. Because I'm not that I, – like I think that we're going to see a lot of the – game the money games go away and how they legislate legislate's not the right word how they decide who gets into the playoff expanded or not how they decide who gets in based on strength of schedule is going to be interesting because the only thing that i know right now for a power five school is if you have a zero in the loss column you're going to get into the playoff how does that change if you up up your schedule up your games how does that change how does that, how does that, how do we react to that? So I think that's going to be really interesting. Um, but no, I'm, I think if you're one of the group of five schools and potential group of six schools with what's happening with the big 12 right now, I think the goal for you is going to be, how do we make sure that we can schedule? Like, how do we make sure that we can even schedule games that put us on the radar? This really feels, um, just looking at it, if you take out and just go from that macro view, uh, and an hour back, it feels like, oh, you know what? Well, we're only going to let these kids play. We're only going to let these kids play. And so you guys go do your own thing, but we're going to play here on our court. Like, we're going to go, we're in, a, this, is a, this is a backyard game. It's not a front yard game. And if you don't know me, you don't get to go into my backyard. And so these are the only teams that are allowed in the backyard, and we're going to play. And that's going to be the interesting part of it because – for so long in this sport, I mean, think about it. Florida State and Miami, right? Penn State even. There was this anytime, anywhere, we'll take you on. We'll, 
we'll show you how good we are attitude that that resonated in the what the 80s and the 90s and essentially what's happening is they're kind of battening down the hatches in terms of oh it doesn't matter if you're an anytime anywhere football team we're not playing you so good luck Right, and that's already happened in college basketball where, like, the mid-majors can't get anyone, the good ones can't get anyone to play you. Right. And the selection committees tried to incentivize neutral sites, going on the road. But that that's, like, that's a problem. And not that the Pac-12 was always trying to get out to the East Coast, but, like, they are achieving a lot of the things that they need. Yep. They're getting into recruiting areas and better time slots and time zones without having to do any of that. Like, they don't... They, you're, you're not asking someone to take a risk and schedule UCF or do a two-for-one with UCF to right. go play in Florida just, you know, to get in there because you're going to have relationships with Florida State and Miami. Like, right. you're going you're gonna to be able to get in those spaces now. So, it, you know, again, some of the selling points or some of the ways that some of those schools offer and try to get people to play them are going to go away or not, mm-hmm. be as, not be as available. And so I, I think... That is absolutely a wrinkle to all of this, but it makes total sense if you're the Pac-12 to try to do this. Like One of the things that Tuesday's announcement does is it allows you to get certain elements of conference expansion without actually expanding your conference, which is, I think, why they're comfortable with a gentleman's agreement. Like they, yeah. sh- I think they should have signed something. It would have been an easier answer to those questions. Sure. I think they should have sent out a, a press release, but yeah. Well, yes, that too. <laughs> that too. Maybe, 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 maybe make it a little bit less of a deal. But it's it's that idea where it's like you don't have to go through all the hoops of join- adding a full member and the travel costs and splitting the pie. Like you can make yourself a little more valuable, and you have two of these leagues going into negotiations where like maybe these non-conference games are going to be a factor in, yeah. in how valuable they look. Like you get all of that without having to add schools and you don't have to, you know, sacrifice, I don't know, whatever standard that you were setting about the type of school or the value that, that you were going to add with someone. So that's where this comes in. And again, that's why it's like, okay, handshake agreement. We look each other in the eyes, even though obviously like Oklahoma and Texas looked everyone else in the eyes yes. in their conference and never <laughs> said like, oh yeah, I'm about to leave. Like, this happens all the time, especially in college sports. However, that's why they're willing to risk it, because they think that they're going to get enough benefits. And again, like you said, if they're able to delay conference college football playoff expansion, take it to the open market, get more money from that, like there, there would be tangible benefits to what they're doing. And yeah. they'd be able to point to it and say, like, see, this, this worked. This got us something. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I think that that's going to be the goal. The goal is to see how much sway they actually have. And the reality right. of the reality of it is, like we can talk about well, the SEC is better, or the SEC wins this, the SEC does that. But the reality of it is, they only got one vote. The SEC only has one vote, and now you're building a block where you have three, you have three and a half, four votes, and that is a game changer. And I listen. I understand that people look at sports and they only see what's happening on the field, or they only want to talk about wins and losses and results. And listen. I am someone who got exhausted of talking about DMAs and 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 like what whose ratings were higher. I got exhausted of that, you know, eight years ago, nine years ago. But like, I do think that one of my central, kind of at the core ways that I view football, and it's yes, it's cynical, but I do look at it from a 
who's voting for what, who are the power brokers. And this is a sport that, again, we're seeing the evolution. We saw the evolution from seven to six, where we are watching the evolution from six to five or six to four and a half, if you will. And I think that's something that maybe I'm jaded, but I think that that is certainly a reality of it. And I would implore people, if you just really like the actual football, it, you drive yourself a little less mad. Yeah, and that's why the balance of this stuff matters yeah. for the football product and for it not being dominated by just a couple teams in the same region. Um, but we'll wrap there, and we'll, we'll have plenty more time to unpack this, especially as we get yeah. more information on years. the playoff expansion. Yes, literal years, but also you know in the next month as they – put forth efforts to delay the playoff expansion. Maybe we get more details on scheduling, all of that. So let's get into the last call, which is our segment when we cheers or rant about something, something we would do at two in the morning at a bar. We'd be either in a great mood or we'd be annoyed about something. And I will start because I know you have a poem and I feel like we have to end on the poem. Um, I will give a cheers to LSU. LSU on Tuesday announced that they are going to require guests 12 years of age or older to provide proof of vaccination or a negative COVID PCR test taken within 72 hours of entering the stadium. Cases are not great in the state of Louisiana. Vaccination rate is low, lower than other states in, in Louisiana. This is not an easy thing to do. And it is real leadership. This is the first SEC school to mandate something like this for people who, you know, the privilege of going to a college football game. And hopefully it makes a really big difference. But this is the type of thing that is absolutely difficult to implement. It is an absolutely hard decision to get to. And just kudos to LSU for making that decision from public health and safety standpoint, incentivizing people to get vaccinated um, and making sure that their games are not going to be super spreader events. So shout out to LSU. Yeah, I love that for LSU. Um, good for them. And let's, let's watch it in, act, in, in practice. I know it's going to be rough to get into the stadium because you're going to have to show your verification. But you know what? If you want to go watch that game, show up a little bit earlier and you'll be ready to go. Um, okay, so here's my poem that I wrote. And I think I might try to do this a couple times over the course of the season if I'm wrong about a thing or predict something wrong but here's my first poem and i don't think it, the rest of them will be nearly as long as this i think the rest are probably gonna end up being haikus because those seem a little bit easier to do but here's what we got this is a, it's not it's not technically a free verse poem because there is a little bit of a rhyming thing i'm just i'm i don't need but to preface just, it anymore. no yeah no preamble let's just let's, let's hear the poem all right here we go mea culpa oklahoma to all your fans i love me some sooners though i'm not a stan i was wrong last week to poo poo the d and because of that i admit defeat I wasn't sharp on the tabs or sharp with the mine. Going back and watching, sacks you shall find. Go Winfrey and Thomas on Redmond and Grimes. So sorry to OU fans, please treat me fair. OU's defense won't just be in your dreams, they'll be some team's nightmare. Boomers, sooner. <laughs> How long did that take you to do? Oh, this, I mean, this took probably three, four minutes. Okay. I'm quick. Listen, I'm, all right. Yeah, you're you're a poet. I'm we, not. We, I'm, I'm not the. I'm not quite the writer that you are. But every now and then, when I get a little wild hair, I can get something going. You know what I mean? Well, we will have to. Um, we will absolutely have to have you write more poems for <laughs> Power Hour. <laughs> we can give them their own name at some point. Um, but that was 
I, I think every time you're wrong about anything, really, like yeah. any take, it could be a food take, it could be <laughs> about sweat or your office commute or anything. Oh, yeah. Everything needs to be, all the mea culpas need to be in poetry form. Oh, I have a mini rant about having to pay for parking where you work because that's a whole other thing that just feels like a racket. You're giving me the money for me to give back to you? That feels crazy. That's also a good last call. We will wrap it on that point. Everyone can think about the philosophy about paying for parking somewhere that you work. Um, And that will do it for this week. We will have more season preview content as we come out of week zero, actual football this weekend, um, and go into week one. We'll make our college football playoff predictions. And all of that, we um, we will... continue our alliance which is i think just a friendship based on mutual trust and yeah. um you know a gentleman and lady agreement <laughs> looking at we're looking into each other's eyes we trust each other we'll you know break yeah. some bread so um thanks for joining our alliance and uh the power hour show this week um if you're not already an athletic subscriber you can sign up at theathletic.com slash nicole for a special. Um, Andy Staples will be back on the feed. Ari Wasserman will be back on the feed later this week. And Michael Felder and I will be back next Tuesday for the next episode of Power Hour. Thank you for listening, and you're welcome to join our alliance anytime. (laughs) 